Are you frustrated with the breath ketone devices that are on the market today? Well, let me introduce you to the brand new Level Meter. It is a simple, comfortable meter that allows you unlimited measurements for up to two users. It coincides with an Android or an iOS app to both track and trend your breath ketone data. You get detailed results displayed in the app within 15 seconds, and the monthly sensor change and calibration ensure clinical accuracy on the device. The level meter also gives you a 24-hour snap of your wellness choices, and it's great to note that even if someone is not on a ketogenic diet, elevated fat metabolism will register on the level. Anything over 2 ppm is considered elevated fat metabolism. Now, I've been using this for a little while, and I think you're going to love it too. Go to levelnow.com, that's L-E-V-L-N-O-W.com to get your level level today. Now you know. If you love great olive oil, do I have a deal for you? As one of my listeners, you're entitled to receive for $1, listen to this, for just $1, a $39 bottle of one of the world's finest artisanal olive oils. And what makes this oil really special? It was just fresh pressed at the new harvest, so it's bursting with more harvest fresh flavor than any olive oil you've ever tasted. It's yours for just one buck to help cover shipping as your introduction to the fresh pressed olive oil club. And there's no obligation to buy anything now or ever. But what exactly is fresh pressed olive oil? And why is it so much more flavorful than store-bought olive oil? The problem with store-bought olive oils is that they can sit on store shelves for months, even years, growing stale or even rancid. The olive, after all, is a fruit. And olive oil is similar to a fruit juice in that it's much more flavorful when fresh pressed. And that's what's unique about oils from my friends at the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. They rush their oil direct to your door by plane and special delivery truck straight from the latest harvest. This means that you, your family, and lucky guests can enjoy top-of-the-line artisanal olive oils at their peak of harvest fresh flavor and nutritional value. This is great news for us low-carb lovers because pure fresh-pressed olive oil has zero carbs. Zero carbs! It adds whole layers of amazing flavor to your favorite low-carb dishes, your roasted vegetables, healthy salads, grilled meats, delicate fish, toasted nuts. Oh yeah! I can tell you from personal experience, once you try this fresh-pressed olive oil, you'll never go back to store-bought again. Try it yourself and see. For your 39 bottle for a buck, go to jimmyoliveoil.com. That's jimmyoliveoil.com. One more time jimmyoliveoil.com Coming up in episode 1366 Kristen Ulmer Connecting and educating and making the world a more informed and healthier place You're listening to the Live and La Vida Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore You've helped change so many lives and give us all the courage to take on the rest of the world This is the longest running health podcast on the air today You've done so much to spread the word about how diet matters Over 1,000 episodes strong and counting The amount of lives that you've changed at this point is incalculable And now, here's our host and international best-selling author you're like the LL Cool J of podcasting Jimmy Moore 
Hey, hey guys, we're back here on the Live and Levita Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore. And today I'm so privileged to welcome to the podcast a lady by the name of Kristen Ulmer. Now she's a thought leader and a fear specialist. I think it's the first time in like the 12 years I've done this podcast I've ever had a fear specialist on, but we all have our fears. Uh, she draws from her tenure as the most fearless woman, extreme skier in the world for a dozen years. She's studying Zen for 15 years and facilitating thousands of clients on this subject of fear and flow states. And she's been featured all over the place with her brand new book. Maybe you've heard about it called The Art of Fear, Why Conquering Fear Won't Work and What to Do Instead. Kristen Omer, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. And I think that a lot of people won't dare call themselves fear specialists because I think that we <laughs> expect our fear specialists to be fearless yes, or teach people how to be fearless, but I don't subscribe to that. Well, so you're you don't not perfect. find many. Yeah, right. Um, you know, you don't find many fear specialists. Uh, I have you know, never I've, heard I've, of a fear specialist before. So you, you're my very first one. Hey, you're the unicorn today. So <laughs> I am. I like being a unicorn. Well, we're really glad to have you here. And let, let's back up. Extreme skier, what was that about? I was considered the best woman big mountain extreme skier in the world for 12 years. Nice. I was also voted by the outdoor industry to be the most fearless woman athlete in North America. Was and that the I actually, X Games? What was that? Um, the X Games, I, I've been in the X Games, but they didn't have big mountain extreme skiing in the X Games because you have to go to Alaska or yeah. to France or something like that. Where there's snow, and yeah. Right, exactly. And um, I actually felt fearless during my ski career, but in uh, reflecting back on my ski career and just uh, being a mindset sports coach and then also being a fear specialist now, I realized I wasn't fearless back then. I just had a unique relationship with fear. Mm. Well, we're going to delve into that here uh, a little more in a minute. But yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people that are a part of even competitive uh, athletics you know, I think about basketball and football players on the pro level. You know, you have to take uh, I guess you have to let your fear work for you in some way to be able to get to that level of of expertise and kind of the rarefied air that is pro sports. Absolutely. And I want to talk uh, to your audience, too, which I know that this is a lot about weight loss and health. And I'll tell you what, your relationship with fear is the most important relationship of your life. And if you don't have a healthy relationship with fear, if you have a repressive relationship with fear, you may overeat to not have to deal with it. Mm. Like this is a great subject for your audience. Well, and I can tell you this just from my personal experience that a lot of people get motivate, motivated by their fears, but then there's another segment of the population that gets paralyzed by their fears. Can you talk about that dichotomy and what the switch is difference between those two personality types? Absolutely. It's really simple to understand what the difference is. Fear is just fear. You know, fear is just a sensation of discomfort in the body. And it's how you deal with the fear that makes all the difference. If you hate it, try to get rid of it, if you avoid it, if you ignore it or fight it, you know, right now we're actually taught to do that, conquer, overcome fear. Yeah. Then what happens is you shove it down into the basement, you want nothing to do with it, lock the door, throw away the key, and that undealt with fear is now stuck in your body and starting to fester. And it, the second your guard is dropped, it's going to come out and it's going to terrorize your life. 
Um, but if you have a healthy relationship with fear, if you're willing to feel it, then you then only the virtues of fear come out. So really, it only comes down to are you willing to feel your fear and deal with it or are you not willing to feel your fear and deal with it that's what makes all the difference you know what this reminds me of is i've had other guests on this podcast over the years talking about stress in kind of a similar way that everybody thinks of stress as this negative thing but there's this concept known as hormesis where stress actually works to your advantage you want a little bit of stress so that it strengthens you can you see a hormetic effect with fear as well absolutely it's like that with anything i have an equation in my book suffering equals discomfort times resistance mm. So maybe the discomfort is stress, maybe the discomfort is fear, and fear and anxiety are the same thing, although actually the anxiety is the resistance. And it's even with pain, like I, I look at people that have um, tattoos, for example, they're getting tattoos. If they say no to the pain, they're in resistance to the I'm pain. I'm fearful of tattoos. So. <laughs> right. I, mean, I don't want to get one either. Um, but if you say no to pain, and even if it's a broken leg or anything, you say no to the pain, look at the kind of suffering that comes from that. But if you say yes to the pain, you know, which do you think has less suffering? And so let's say your fear is a level 10 and your resistance to the fear is a level 10, 10 times 10, that's a whole lot of suffering. And it's really hard to get rid of the fear. It's actually kind of impossible because yeah. fear is such a normal, natural part of the human experience. It's with us every moment of every day in nearly every interaction we have. It's a survival instinct. Absolutely. It's even more than that. And then the resistance is actually learned. Like the first time you say to mom, I feel afraid. And she says, oh, there's nothing to be afraid of. Or, um, you know, I call it fear shaming. Next thing you know, you're taught to either avoid the fear, ignore the fear, fight the fear. And that's different forms of resistance. Let's say that's a level 10, you know, that's learned. And we have more wiggle room with lowering our resistance. We lower our resistance to the fear. It's not that big a deal anymore. Mm. Yeah, I remember in psychology class in college, uh, the psychology professor talked about this condition where these young children didn't have any sensation of, of harm. So they could touch something hot and it wouldn't hurt them. And they would end up sometimes, you know, killing themselves, walking into a fire because they just didn't sense that there was any danger in that. And so that's always stuck with me. I don't know why, but it, it kind of goes to this discussion about fear that the, the fear pain has to be there for fear to exist, right? Uh, no, okay. fear, is, fear is with us just regardless of the pain. I mean, pain is part of life. Fear is part of life. You know, I, I feel fear sitting here talking to you right now. Like no, I have a don't. fear of saying no, something I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, it's just with us every moment of every day. And if we're willing to look beneath our relative reality, you'll find it there. Like I've facilitated people even after a nine day Vipassana retreat and they're all blissed out and happy and safe and comfortable. And I'll say, okay, find your fear, you know, find that discomfort in your body that feels like fear. They'll be able to find it. It's always there because it's part of life. Mm. Now, in the realm that I am in, Kristen, a lot of people are trying to make their bodies better by losing weight or getting healthy or making some kind of a lifestyle change. And the fear that that comes into play with them is the fear of the unknown. 
And I would say probably most fears are fears of things that people think are going to happen but may never happen or the great unknown of what will happen. And so how do you help somebody who has a fear like that? Is is the fear legitimate and how do you help them overcome that? Fear is definitely legitimate. It always is. If, though, it starts to show up as feeling irrational or overwhelming, or if it feels like it's in your mind, because fear is a sensation of discomfort in your body. If it feels like it's hijacked your mind, that's a clear sign that you've been repressing fear, locking it in the basement. Mm. And then what it does is it hijacks your mind to fulfill its uh, or to to send out its unfulfilled agenda. So look at it this way. Fear, like I say, is a sensation of discomfort in the body. Oftentimes, it's in the belly. It's an uncomfortable feeling meant to get your attention. And what we tend to do to get rid of that uncomfortable feeling in our belly, we tend to eat, right? Or maybe drink alcohol or whatever, distract ourselves with being super busy, going shopping, you name it. Um, So we do this to feel better. And that works to cover up the discomfort so we don't have to deal with it. And that that food, you know, that busyness distracts us from having to feel our fear and it distracts us from having to deal with the problem that fear is here to warn us about. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I I think the reason I love your work and I'm glad you're here today, Kristen, is so many people have taken on that whole concept of conquering fear. It's almost become axiomatic in the society that we need to conquer our fears. I've heard it my whole life, but you're telling people that there's another way. Can you kind of underscore what you're saying uh, with your philosophy, how it's different than conquering the fear? Because we all know that just hasn't worked and won't work. What will work? When you try to conquer fear, it's like you take out a sword uh, and you Fear, of course, is will not be denied. It's old. It's established. It's uh, not going to put up with that. Right. It'll take out a bigger sword. And next thing you know, you're being you're going to be engaged in a war in your unconscious mind that will ultimately prove unwinnable, that will tax all your resources, consume your whole life. Where if you make friends with fear, though, like end that war, you started it, right? Fear didn't start this war. Fear is not a problem in our lives. But when we make it a problem, we start that war. So you, that means you also have the ability to end the war. And how people then try to end the war is they go to a therapist and they try to understand their fear. Mm -hmm. That's not going to help. You know, there's a great <laughs> now Einstein you tell us. <laughs> quote. Yeah, now I tell you. There's a great Einstein quote. You cannot solve a problem by using the same consciousness that created it. You must learn to see the world anew. See, what we're doing now is we're trying to deal with our emotions, emotions intellectually. Like right now, emotional intelligence is considered our ability to understand our emotions, which we try to do with the shrink, and control them. And that really shouldn't be what emotional intelligence is. Emotional intelligence is, is our ability to feel our emotions in an honest way and have them help us come alive. So here's my tip. We've got to learn how to feel our fear, mm. not understand it, which is a thought-free experience. So let me throw a a couple of fears that have always been in my life since I was a little kid. And I have a story behind the fear and let's apply the principle you just explained. So when I was young, maybe nine or 10 years old, I got bit in the face by a Doberman pincher. So today I am deathly fearful of dogs, uh, big dogs, of course. 
little chihuahuas, I can handle those. But the big ones, they just scare the crap out of me. So, <laughs> so I have this real fear based on this experience. So what I hear you saying is I don't need to conquer that fear. Uh, go see a psychotherapist to try to, you know, expose me a little bit to the dog. How do I face that dog fear head on? So it's completely cruel and unnecessary to do exposure therapy, in my opinion. Yep. Like you don't need to get around the thing that you're scared of. All you need to do is deal with the fear that you didn't deal with back then as a child right. today. And so close your eyes. All right. And I want you to find that sensation of fear in your body. It's that there. discomfort. <laughs> yep. Okay. And it doesn't even have to have anything to do with dogs or, I mean, oftentimes we, uh, you know, have a scary experience in one area of our lives and it gets pushed down and then redirected. It shows up in another area of our lives. Like I see people all the time who are fearless at work, but then they go skiing and they're pickled in fear. Mm. Or they're fearless at skiing, but they like don't want to have anything to do with fear anywhere else in their lives. So the only thing that matters is your relationship with that discomfort. So um, what I want you to do is get to know your pattern around it and get to know where it is that you feel it. So where do you feel fear right now in your body? When I'm thinking about dogs, it's in the belly. All right. It quivers. So, yeah. Right. So to conjure up fear, all you have to do is think about dogs. And I'll tell you what, it's perfectly normal and natural to be scared of dogs, especially if you were bit by one when you were younger. It's not a sign of personal weakness or a character flaw, any of that. Yes, dogs can be scary. I've been bit by a dog too. So first of all, acknowledge that it's normal and natural to feel this fear. And then you're becoming aware of where you feel it. It's in your belly. And how strong is it? Oh, I quiver and shake, I can literally feel it through my entire body. Get to know your pattern around that feeling. Do you hate it? Do you wish it weren't so? Do you avoid it? Do you ignore it? I try to flee from it. So when I okay. see a big dog, I I go the other direction. <laughs> well, what may be happening for you is that the dog is the issue, but what has become the bigger issue is the fear itself. Mm. Like, you're not necessarily running away from the dog in that moment. Perhaps you're just running away from the fear. Interesting. So animals, you know, let's say Bambi, right? All of a sudden, perks up, fear, there's some rustling in the bushes. Uh, it's tiger, right? Fight or flight. Uh, she runs, so she flees. Humans are a lot more complicated than animals. We have this whole extra step. We start to think about our fear. So we have a sensation of discomfort in the body. Then we start to think about it. And then what happens is we've been taught to fight or flee the fear itself rather than the situation. Like the fear has become the new tiger. The fear has become the new dog. Mm. So in many ways, you're, um, you're running away from the fear rather than the dog. So the dog didn't need to be there now for that fear to still be present, which is what you're proving here today. Well, well, the fear comes from the dog. Like there's a dog. It's like, okay, fear shows up. You know, are you really running away from the dog though at this point? Hmm. Or are you running away from this uncomfortable feeling that you now have? Wow. So you want to get to know your patterns around fear. You know, not just around dogs, but around fear. Do you miss the taste of homemade cookies and perhaps granola that you grew up on? Well, allow me to introduce you to Grappa. 
go to jimmylovesgrapal.com and you'll find out about this sweet and salty cookie granola. It's got really delicious cookie chunks all in it, you guys, with lots of bold flavors. I love eating Grapal like cereal with unsweetened almond milk or coconut milk. And you can even use it as dessert with that keto ice cream from my cookbook, Grapal doesn't have any GMOs, doesn't have soy or grains or sugar or any of the other stuff that we don't eat on a ketogenic diet. And best of all, I love that it is full of 85% healthy fats. Go to JimmyLovesGrapow.com. That's G-R-A-P-O-W. Enter the coupon code Jimmy at checkout and get 15% off of your order. You're going to want to get this, you guys. It's Grapow. Hey guys, I've got a great new product to tell you about here today that is the first all-in-one keto meal that gets its nutrition from quality real foods. It's called Ample K. Go to amplemeal.com, enter the coupon code MORE15, that's M-O-O-R-E-1-5 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Ample K is the first complete keto meal that gives you all the healthy fats in a powdered mix-on-the-go Format. It will help you stay in ketosis with just six net carbs for a 400-calorie meal. It is packed with MCTs for enhanced ketone production, and 70% of the calories come from fat, which will help you satisfy your hunger, give you energy throughout the day, and keep you in ketosis. It also is good for the gut health, and they put 40 billion CFU probiotics in every meal. Again, it's called Ample K. Go to amplemeal.com and be sure to enter the coupon code MORE15 at checkout for 15% off of your first order. Ample K. Are you having issues with fatigue, the keto flu, or muscle cramping on your ketogenic diet? Then allow me to introduce you to Keto Vitals. They will solve all of these issues. Keto Vitals is a high-dose electrolyte in a pill specifically created for the unique needs of the ketogenic lifestyle. They use only the best ingredients. In fact, their form of magnesium was shown in a double-blind trial to improve insulin sensitivity. Keto Vitals is 100% guaranteed. If it doesn't work, they will refund your money. Head on over to KetoVitals.com or you can go on Amazon and get free two-day shipping for Amazon Prime members. Use the coupon code KETO1515 both on Amazon and at KetoVitals.com to get 15% off of your order. Keto Vitals. So if I see a dog again, and those fears start to conjure up. Do I just walk boldly towards the dog? I'm, I'm just trying to put a tangibleness to how someone would deal with a fear like this. No, I wouldn't do that at all. <laughs> <laughs> that what might I freak me out. Yeah. Do, what I would recommend you do is find a, a private space or quiet space and sit down and just find that discomfort in your body that was just conjured up because of the dog. And I would just spend some time feeling it mm. without trying to get rid of it. And that's the key. You know, so I actually have a four-step process when I work with people. Yep. The first step is you acknowledge it's normal and natural to feel this fear. So this is what you can do in that private space. The second thing you can do is close your eyes, find the fear in your body, uh, notice where it is in your body. You know, it may be in your belly every time and maybe somewhere else. How strong is it? Like just become aware of what it is that you're feeling. 
The third step is now I want you to notice your resistance to that fear. Like, do I hate it? Do I typically avoid it? Do I ignore it? Am I fighting it? Do I wish it weren't so? And spend a little time just acknowledging your resistance because that's causing your suffering just as much as the fear itself. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel this way, right? And then the fourth step is you now just feel your fear. And what happens is when you feel your fear, like let's say it's a whining child, you know, we're taught to ignore it, fight it, conquer it, right? And it goes away. So it, it actually seems to work. You know, it, it's, it, it, there's a payoff, right? If you ignore or fight your fear, it right. seems to go away. But the cost is, is that it now is recirculating in your system and you never seem to get over things that once scare you. You know, like PTSD, we all know that it's a fear injury. PTSD is just basically I haven't dealt with the emotions around a really difficult situation that's happened in the past. If you learn how to deal with your emotions today, then it'll resolve. So that's kind of what you're having. You're you're having a PTSD response. So if you just feel your fear without trying to get rid of it, and it's counterintuitive to turn towards it like this rather yeah. than away from it, you know, then that fear will start to dissipate. It's like turning towards a whining child and giving that whining child your undivided attention. We all know that whining children, they calm down. It's the same thing with fear. That is so fascinating. And, and for that one example with the dog, I have two examples of how I've done exactly what you said, maybe without all the, you know, everything that you prescribe. Uh, one is public speaking. I now speak for a living. I go around doing conferences, but that used to terrify me <laughs> and and I became very comfortable with it over time. I don't know if it was just the the frequency of being able to do it more often, uh, being behind this microphone doing this podcast, you know, because I was nervous when I first started doing this show. Newsflash, if you're listening and you listened way back at episode one, two, three, four, five, I was not very good at this because I was nervous, but now episode 13 something, I'm very comfortable. And so that was one example of something that I used to be fearful of and no longer. Right. And you may be less fearful of it because you've done it so many times. And that's one way to limit fear is get really good at something. Um, so I just became a fear specialist. I am now being asked to do a lot of speeches. I typically facilitate groups, not give keynotes. Now I'm yep. giving keynotes in front of thousands of people. And let me tell you what I do because I'm, I'm new at not that. Not the underwear thing, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> that doesn't work, yep. by the way, for people Everyone that try to. the that. audience is naked, right? There's that. But there's something more. And let me give you an example. I had to give a speech recently in front of a really important audience that was going to seriously move the needle on my career. Yeah. And because I had fear in advance, you know, it, it, it helped me, you know, you want to end procrastination, look to your fear, you know, fear of messing it up, like gets you off the couch in no time. Mm. Same with FOMO. So, so fear helped me prepare. I was ready. I had everything all set and yet I'm about to go on in 15 minutes and I'm absolutely pickled in anxiety and now jimmy i'm a fear specialist you're a fear specialist and you're f- about to lecture about fear <laughs> and i'm <laughs> terrified right um so i went and did these four steps that i teach i went and found a, a quiet place and i acknowledged that of course i feel fear and anxiety it's natural and normal this is an important audience it's a big deal It's not a sign of personal weakness. So that was the first step. The second step is I felt my fear in my body. It was in my throat. And it was like a level 100. Oh, yeah. Right? 
And then I noticed that what the issue was, was I was resisting it. Like mm-hmm. there was a part of me that didn't want to give that speech. And my resistance was also a level 100, 100 times 100. And my suffering equals discomfort times resistance, right? I was suffering tremendously. So what I did is I felt my resistance. I just spent a minute just repeating over and over again in my mind and felt this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be there. (laughs) I don't want to feel this way, you know, over and over. And it eventually dissolved. After about two minutes and it let go of me and it got down to a level zero. Wow. So when you turn towards the thing, you know, that's giving you the discomfort, you know, that's where freedom is available by turning towards it, not away from it, but towards it. And then I spent two more minutes just feeling my anxiety without trying to get rid of it. And after about two minutes, it ran out of things to say. It dissolved and it too was down to a level zero. And then I walked on stage and I felt. You crushed it. I crushed it. Yeah. Um, so was it a TED talk? What was it? What's that? Was it a TED talk? It wasn't a TED talk. It was, well, it was at a conference that was a big deal. Okay, good. And it's, you know, I don't, I don't want to. Yeah, no worries. You don't have to reveal what it was. I just was curious. (laughs) Well, that's amazing. And, and so now you have a story to tell, Hey, I still deal with this. This is okay. And I think sometimes people just want to know that there's not this like perfect attitude about fear. I think everybody assumes, well, you either figure out how to deal with fear or you don't. And that's just, that's too black and white. You say there's some gray area there. Um, It's, here's the thing. You have basically two choices on how to deal with fear. You can either turn away from it fight it, conquer it, ignore it, avoid it, all of that. And it works. You know, the payoff is that you don't have to deal with more fear, but you pay the price. Mm -hmm. And during my ski career, that's what I did. I was really good at avoiding or ignoring fear, not avoiding fear, but ignoring fear. And it works for about 10 years. And then after 10 years, all of a sudden, just your life just starts to fall apart. Either you're depressed or you're pickled in anger um, for me, I was burnt out. You know, it was exhausting. How many broken bones later? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I had a lot of injuries too, because, yes. you know, we, you see athletes that are getting 10 years into their career, they start to have a series of injuries. Yes. You know, why is that? Well, you know, we think, oh, maybe they're not in as good a shape. They've lost their focus. Well, mostly they're just exhausted from fighting the war with fear. And so they are maybe a little burnt out, but what do we know about rigid trees. You have to be so rigid to not deal with your fear. And in a heavy wind, rigid trees break. Mm. And so that's what started to happen to me. I started having um, PTSD too. Uh, Like I'd seen a lot of friends die in the mountains and I had had a lot of near-death experiences. And so I wasn't dealing with the emotions. I, I basically repress fear to the extreme in order to ski the way I wanted to. And it really started negatively affecting my life after 10 years. So back to what I'm saying, there's two ways to deal with fear you know, they both work, but if you ignore fear or avoid it, there's long-term consequences for it. And you, you ultimately pay a pretty heavy price. Whereas if you turn towards the fear, like I'm suggesting, like I talk about in my book, like I talk about in my events and, and uh, courses and stuff, mm-hmm. it's a lot less effort, a lot less energy, and there's no long-term consequences, and it, it works beautifully. 
So I have one more story uh, that I'm kind of halfway between the dog story and the public speaking story, and that's snakes. Uh, my dad, when I was a little kid, uh, again, a kid, I was a trauma, traumatized kid. Uh, we went fishing and at the end of the fishing expedition, my dad said, here, hold this. And he threw a rubber snake right at me. Oh. And, and I was so traumatized by that, that even into adulthood, up until about a year and a half ago, I was still so, I mean, I'd see one and I would be apoplectic. I would just be so paralyzed with fear. And so we got chickens and inside one of the chicken coops, I found a black snake one day and I immediately felt those fear, uh, that, that fear coming on me. But I said, look, I'm a grown man now. Why do I have this fear still? And so I went and got a shovel and I scooped that bad boy into a bucket, put a lid on top and felt pretty proud of myself that, you know, I was able to sort of kind of face the fear. And I felt in the midst of doing all that, Kristen, that that fear dissipated somewhat so that now if I see another snake, I don't think I'm going to have quite the same feeling as I've had my entire life. Well, good for you. And the snake, you know, is the thing that kind of conjures up the fear. There may be other areas of your life, Jimmy, that you're not dealing with fear in an honest way. And Mm -hmm. it kind of accumulates. It's like all of a sudden there's this way for fear that's locked in the basement to just come erupting out, right? There's a snake. Finally, I have a chance to be free, fear says. Right. And uh, so then by scooping up the snake, it's like, what is courage? Courage is just a willingness to feel fear. It's like you are willing to feel your fear in that moment by scooping up the snake. And there, there are a couple different levels of how we can deal with fear. And I see this with athletes. You know, there's the ones who ignore it, conquer it, overcome it, fight it, right? That's one level. And then the second level is where you accept the fear. It's like, okay, I know that this is going to be a scary experience. That's a step in the right direction, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the ones who are willing to feel their fear. That's another whole level. It's like, I'm willing to feel my fear. I'm willing to go into this scary situation and feel it. And then the fourth level, and this is where you find people really performing at a great Um, high rock star level is where they're willing to become intimate with their fear. And the fear actually then helps them become sharp, alive, focused. I bet when you were scooping up that snake, you brought your A game to that job, didn't you? Oh, yeah. And I was actually pretty proud. I I ran into the house with the bucket and I said, you're never going to believe what's inside this bucket to my wife. And she said, what? I said, snake. She said, no, (laughs) because she knows how fearful I've been of them Uh my entire life. So what happened that day, you didn't conquer the fear. Fear was with you every single moment of that mo- of that uh, snake scoop up, right? What was happening is that you were, A, willing to feel fear. And then because you became intimate, it actually brought you alive. And I'll tell you what, it's our scary experiences where fear's there that are our most poignant memories. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have some friends, they went to Paris, they went to the Louvre, they went to the Eiffel Tower and they got mugged at gunpoint. What do you think they came home and talked about? Oh yeah, and still talk about. And still talk about. Like that scoop episode, uh, scooping of the snake episode is going to be like one of like the best moments of your life. I'm going to be 80 <laughs> years old with no teeth. Right. Back in the day, I had to scoop up a snake. Right. Because you, you were willing to feel your fear. You became intimate with your fear. You were willing to do a scary thing. And, you know, anytime you step out of your comfort zone, fear is going to be there. 
So whenever you're willing to grow as a person, you're going to have to deal with fear. You know, are you willing to feel fear? The answer for you, Jimmy, is definitely yes. Congratulations. Yay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, I don't care if anybody else has gotten anything out of this podcast today. I know you have, but if you haven't, this has helped me a lot, Kristen. And I've always, like I said at the beginning, heard about conquering your fears and you've given a new perspective. So I, I definitely encourage people to go out and get The Art of Fear, Why Conquering Fear Won't Work and What to Do Instead. We'll have a link to it in the show notes section at theliveinlowcarbshow.com. But she has a great website, you guys, kristenulmer.com, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-U-L-M-E-R.com. And once you're there, she does have some online courses, The Art of Fear, Finally Free from Chronic Anxiety, which a lot of people deal with and then uh, finally free from the fear of failure which again paralyzes so many people so you know tap into this woman who has done the work she's a fear specialist who still has fear i love that (laughs) of course and let me say one last thing if you're looking to lose weight i think that finding a way to be uh sit with fear and feel your fear is one of the most important things that you can do because oftentimes people are just eating so that they don't have to deal with their fear. So, mm. and the other thing is if you have a lot of weight on, it's like a wall of defense between you and the basement where fear is kept. And so you're worried if you lose that weight, and this is totally unconscious, of course, then that fear is going to get out of the basement and you tsunami your life. It's actually not true. Um, you just have to learn how to deal with fear in an honest way and learn how to feel it. And it's just really not that big, big a deal. And, and I hope people get to that point where they feel like it's not that big a deal. So thank you for kind of underscoring that and helping people uh, that are listening today. Because a lot of people, you know, want to do some kind of a change in their life, but they're always hesitant because they don't actually take on the fear and want to feel that fear. People have been fleeing fear their entire lives. So hopefully after today, listening to Kristen Ulmer, you know, that's the wrong thing to do. Um, and you've definitely helped me here today, Kristen. Again, I don't care if anybody else got anything out of it. I sure did. And I'm really appreciative that you were here today on the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show. Thank you. Coming up next time on the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show, we'll have a functional medicine health and addiction coach. His name, Zach Johansson. Get show notes for today's episode at theliveinlowcarbshow.com. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review at iTunes. Thanks for listening to the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show. We'll see you next time. Disc of Light.